hello everybody and welcome. You're listening to Talk Clean to Me. I'm your host, Joe Karen. And I'm Chloe Holzinger. And today we are sitting down with two guests. If they could go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves, what company you're with, and uh, what your role is in the company. Uh, my name is Clara Vilas. I work with Cambrian. We both work with Cambrian Innovation. I lead marketing and communications there. My name is William Dean, um, and I lead the sales team at Cambrian. For Cambrian Innovation, um, let's start with the problem. So tell us about the issue you guys are trying to solve. Um, give us a sense for the scope and why it's an important issue. Sure. So we are basically working with um, industrial producers that have uh, issues with wastewater and resource management. Um, so our flagship product is called the EcoVolt Reactor, um, and it basically treats high-strength wastewater streams and generates energy and clean water from that. Okay. So waste. Can you give us some examples of wastewater and like what makes it waste? Is a particular type of wastewater? So for the clients that we're working with, it's uh, primarily their process water. So for example, man any manufacturing process uses a ton of water, um, and so with. Uh, we are primarily right now working with beer and wine, the beer and wine industry, and so they produce a stream of very high strength, and it's an organic waste stream, um, and we are basically taking that waste stream and treating it, um, in some cases even reusing the water, sort of depends uh, on each client. But organic means natural. Can't they just uh, flush that down the drain? <laughs> Sadly, no. Um, industrial wastewater is a lot higher strength than your typical domestic stream, so think of, you know, your average household, um, it's going to be, what, five or six times in magnitude um, higher strength than that. And so, you know, uh, municipalities basically get overloaded with this wastewater and can't deal with it. Um, so in some cases, the food or beverage producer or whatever other industrial business needs on-site treatment, and that's where we come in. It's just costly to, to treat that. Um, oftentimes, traditional treatment um, uh, technologies are often aerobic, bubbling oxygen into the water and having microbial communities break that down. And it, it's operationally expensive. Uh, the capital cost to implement and maintain that uh, infrastructure is also pretty costly. And the municipalities end up passing that cost back to industrial, industrial clients. And oftentimes we're able to implement a more cost-effective solution while well, realizing like really exciting environmental benefits for the customers. So, cool. you know, energy benefits, water recycling, um, cutting carbon footprint, stuff like that. Yeah. So tell us about the, the energy benefits. So you, you purify the water, the industrial wastewater, so it can, and some of that can be reused. All of it can be reused. Really depends on the client. Um, they're in some cases, they're just pre-treating it to then be discharged. Um, but we actually also have a client right now that, uh, just, uh, did an experiment to brew beer with the water that is coming out really? of our system. Um, yeah, they did a really cool side-by-side -side taste test um, to sort of, you know, dispel the rumors about recycled water being bad because really all water is recycled. Um, and anyway, they did this awesome taste test. Did and, they come uh, up with a really good name for it? I feel like it's... It was based oh, on this is gonna um, blow your socks Zoolander, off. <laughs> actually. So the two, it was two beers, like I huh? said. One was brewed with the normal city water, um, and the other was brewed with the water coming out of our system. And the two beers were named Water is the Essence of Wetness, and Wetness <laughs> is the Essence of Beer. <laughs> That's great. I was pretty pumped about that as a Zoolander fan. <laughs> That's excellent. It was actually a really exciting project, and the brew was pretty fired up about it also I mean what 
you know, from for our systems that are going kind of closed loop and full circle, the water coming out of our final process is cleaner than what they're getting from the city. <clears throat> and uh, it actually presents a, a challenge for brewers because mm-hmm. um, all of the salts and minerals have been stripped out, which offer a lot of flavor and, and kind of core um, foundation to the beer. So it's a, it's it's kind of a fun puzzle um, to build that back up and get to a quality of beer that people are going to be excited about. And we did a taste test, like Claire was saying, side by side, and it was about 70% preference on a blind taste for the which wetness or beer. I don't, I don't remember which one, but the, the one, the one from, the, the from the recycled water. We also have systems that produce a stream that's ready for irrigation. So, you know, that, that has a good application for wineries. They can reuse that um, out on the vineyards. Um, so the energy generation portion, so at least some of your products are also generating energy? Can yes. Can you tell us about that? Um, that is our Ecobolt reactor. So okay. it's a bioelectrically enhanced anaerobic digester. Um, basically, the bugs in the waste and uh, the, sorry, the product are essentially eating the organic pollutants um, and generating a renewable biogas, um, and that can be converted into heat and power for on-site use. Cool. Mm-hmm. These microbes have always existed, um, but what our system does, the um, kind of bioelectrical enhancement is, as you say, uh, inserting electrodes into the, the ecosystem and stabilizing and um, providing additional housing for the microbial communities that will ultimately be producing biogas and energy. So um, it increases the robustness of the system. It produces a higher quality biogas, and that just means more energy at the end of the day. Yeah, I just want our, our listeners to know, I think this is some totally crazy sci-fi <laughs> stuff happening. It's, it's like pretty wild. The cyborg <laughs> process, right? Because it's traditional electrolysis, but with like this bio element to mm-hmm. it, which is totally beyond my pay grade as a chemist ever. Getting away a little bit from the the tech side Mm -hmm. of Cambrian, tell us the story of how Cambrian started. Sure. So um, our co-founders, Matthew Silver and Justin Buck, actually met while they were at MIT, um, both pursuing their PhDs. And they were both kind of interested in this potential for biology to generate resources from waste streams. Um, And the company actually was founded uh, with or started with a grant from NASA to explore resource recovery in outer space. And our sort of like cheesy joke is that we then decided to bring the technology down to earth um, and apply it to uh, industry basically. Um, So, you know, helping solve the environmental problem for large industrial producers. Um, So that's sort of how we uh, brought it back to earth. And then um, we actually ran a pilot with, uh, we chose our clientele very wisely. Um, We ran our pilot with a winery um, at Clos de Bois in California, Um, sort of tested the system through two crush cycles, which is important because wineries go through extreme variations um, in terms of both flow and the strength of their wastewater. Um, So traditionally, anaerobic solutions do not work um, in this winery in particular. They had had an anaerobic solution before. It had crashed a couple, like basically every time they had a crush season. Um, so we said, let us come in and test our system. We'll see if it works. Um, and it did. Uh, so then from there, we uh, were commercially available in 2014 um, and have sort of added to our product line since then. 
actually want to emphasize something there, kind of finding a really good pilot partner, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's critical for you talk about the valley of death and you talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys are on a shoestring budget. You can't go out. This pilot doesn't work. You can't go out and do another one and you need it to succeed in order to validate your technology. Can you tell us maybe a little bit more about finding the right pilot partner and someone who's also trying to do that first at scale-ish launch of their product, like what they should be thinking about? You know, it was it was scrappy, like you say. It's a shoestring budget. Matt flew out to California, and he just started talking to wineries. He'd just go knocking on doors. I mean, it was talking to wineries, talking to breweries, trying to understand the space and, and where there might be a need, and he, he heard the story. Claude Dubois had an anaerobic digester that they killed. Um, so that, you know, light bulb goes off. Uh, they've already got the infrastructure. They've got the understanding of how this type of system would fit in. Um, it's the core market that had been identified for the technology. And um, Matt was able to pitch this to them. And, and it, you know, they were excited about it also. Um, the fellow who actually ran the, the commercial demonstration is now runs our our uh, operations team. Really? So yeah, he, two years later he joined us because he was, he was like, bring it on. Let's install this thing. He's I'm determined to kill it. <laughs> can't wait to kill another one of these systems. And uh, <laughs> that was basically his attitude. So Matt, Matt and Justin were like, okay, <laughs> great. We'll see how this goes. Um, but you know, it crushed. It, was, it, did, it, it performed really well and Brian was, a, was an evangelist for us. And I think that's another really important part of, of getting your first pilot or demonstration is um, you really build an ally in your in your core field. So Cambrian is a classic example of a startup that's survived in large part due to uh, government grants uh, at various stages um, rather than venture capital money. Was that a conscious decision or was that just happenstance? From what I have gathered over my three and a half years is that it's really been a conscious choice. And and I, I really admire Matt and Justin for their um, conservative approach to growing this company and really um, deploying resources that we have and getting the most out of that. Uh, I you know Being very proactive about identifying these grants when we have something to because these grants are mutual uh, benefits, right? We, you, you gain something from whatever granting agency, but the granting agency has these grants there for a reason, and we really had a lot to offer. And uh, it was a very deliberate choice, and I think it helped kind of grow this company very sustainably. And I think a, a venture capital can sometimes pose a risk to doing that. Um, I think we've gained a lot of stability from the, from the approach. Yeah, I would agree. I think, um, you know, it's pretty amazing what we have been able to do yeah. with, so, and all, you know, a majority of our funding is non-dilutive because it comes in the mm. form of grants, um, mm-hmm. which is awesome for sort of, I don't know, it just works for where we're at. Um, and yeah, I think that Matt and Justin seem to have made, you know, made a very strategic decision to kind of grow the company that way. And again, use the resources that we have on hand um, and sort of just also be aware of what's available and um, what's a good fit for and you know grants also make a lot of sense for us because we have a ton of stuff outside of our commercial product line that's also going on in the lab so there's always grants that we can look at for those other products that we're you know trying to potentially add on to the commercial line later yeah i think that's another that that's i always think that's a pretty exciting piece of cambrian is we we have an active r d 
group, and we're a small company, and the, I mean, the lab is doing pretty exciting stuff still. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it kind of shifts and it goes back and forth from, because the lab definitely also supports like our operating right. products. Um, so that's obviously a huge priority, but they are crushing it and still able to keep all these other projects going. Mm. And um, it's pretty incredible. I mean, up yeah. front, there was a lot of uh, work put into R&D. We spent probably the first four to six years almost exclusively on R&D. And again, like we were saying, um, you know, just really wanted to make sure we get the product right before going and piloting, because really you might have one shot. Um, mm -hmm. And so we wanted to get that right. And so they put a ton of emphasis on R&D up front, which I think has, you know, led to our sustained growth. Um, kind of to what Claire was talking about earlier with the mission of the company, identifying this, trying to, uh, move away from what is perceived as a fundamental disconnect between industry and nature and towards something uh, like we're doing, which is leveraging biology to have nature help industry, basically, and, and create a symbiosis there. The R&D team continues to develop uh, projects that can, that can feed into that. And I just want to interject here. Uh, so I previously worked at a company, uh, Open Water Power, that was predominantly also government grant funded, uh, like by far. They, they struggled for a long time to get venture capital and they did not succeed. Um, but ultimately this ended up being a really good decision for them because when they were acquired, nothing was diluted. The founders made like a ton of money and uh, they ended up in a really good spot without any debt. Hmm. And they weren't beholden to any sort of venture capitalist you know, board members or, or advisors. And it was, it was a really, it ended up being a really good decision for them. This is so bizarre to me because I, I mean, I, I understand why this is working and it's a cool approach kind of this R and D focus for getting your funding. I just remember doing like applying for SBIR like ones back in the day and it just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it really sucks. It helps when you know somebody there. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I certainly, and there's like a process to it. There's people you can hire to like help you like SBIRs are their own, um, beast. Are there any, um, tips or, you know, ideas that you have for someone trying to pursue this kind of, uh, funding, um, that would help them succeed, um, kind of going through this, uh, federally funded route. I think the first one is probably the worst one and you learn a lot from it. Yeah. So, you, you know, you got, you got through that first SBIR. I think if you went back and tried to do another one or an EPA or, or DOD or any of these, I think, um, you learn a lot the first time and, and you can recycle a lot probably as well. The, the only thing I, I guess I, I don't know how you feel, but I would, I would hesitate to categorize us as, um, like yeah, sure. as, okay. as yeah, a sure. federal agency funded. I think right now we have like a commercial operation that is uh, self-sustaining. We've got healthy and happy customers who, and you know, the systems going in and systems operating. Um, but I think a valuable point is that we, you know, we have an active R and D group that, um, that continues to support the commercial operation, but also potentially open up new markets for us. Yeah, I'll emphasize that to the audience because William, I see every time I, I call you like an R&D company, you glare at me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like, uh, it's just uh, my perception of a startup typically doesn't, is more venture capital funded, yeah. you know, at yeah. least in the totally. early Totally, and I think, and I, I do, I, I, I kind of brought it up because I think it's it is somewhat unusual yeah. of us to have this group and it's pretty cool that, like Claire said, they're uh, doing work that really advances the 
product platform that we have in the field, and that's extremely valuable, um, like value engineering and uh, and continuing to improve. Um, but they also are just doing, you know, bioelectrochemistry just blew your mind. The other stuff they're doing continues. To, you know, I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a chemist also, and I'm just like, what are you guys? That is cool. That is great. <laughs> Good, good for you guys. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but it's great. <laughs> and just to interject a little bit more here, um, so it will vary depending on what industry you're in, uh, how much venture capital is actually interested in your industry or your product. Sure, and how much it can help, because that's also a right. symbiotic relationship. You're taking on funding, and, and you also get something. with. I mean, you don't only get uh, dollars, you get know-how, advice, you know, markets. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but just be careful to, to look into what venture capital is really interested in um, sure. before applying broadly to only venture capitalists. Um, I know, for example, energy storage, which is what my field, um, is not super sexy for VC firms. Mm. Um, and a lot of companies are predominantly government funded. Um, sometimes to their detriment, uh, mm -hmm. they can exist purely on defense grants. Wow. What has changed the most over your time at Cambrian mm -hmm. for each of you? I think one thing that's changed pretty dramatically and has been fun to watch was when we, when we sent the first commercial deployment to Claude Dubois, um, you know, we had just built this reactor that had never been built before and we put it on the back of a truck and then the truck drove away and everyone was like uh <laughs> now what <laughs> and then we got the first our first two customers were um bear republic and lagunitas brewing companies and when those systems went in everyone was like wow we built something and we this is nuts you know we just built this and installed it and it's treating water and I think the biggest change for us, we still have that wonder, but we're, but it, it's, it's a little bit, uh, I think we believe it more. We're like, yeah, we're putting six more of these in, of course. Uh, and that, I think, was an attitude change at the company where we're, this is, you know, we're a deli you know we are a company that is delivering um, solutions and uh, not, just, not just... Trying it out. Put, yeah, putting something <laughs> in the back of a truck and waving by. So, so you've lost a little bit of the awe, but you've gained a lot of confidence in the product. I don't know. I still I, am in awe every time I see. So we I stack we, our systems in some cases, and every time I see a picture of them stacked, I'm like, that's nuts. <laughs> it's cool, yeah. I mean, Claire's right. I, th I don't think we've lost the, the wonder, but I think we've, we've just transitioned a more toward to, to really embracing that we can do this, and we have done it, and we're doing it successfully, and, and uh, it was a, it was a, you know, we brought on a guy who's really successful in um, supply chain and, and delivery, and, and he just kind of made the note one time. He was like, we're a delivery company. We're delivering this to people. And I think that was a growing up moment, and it was pretty cool. That's awesome. I will say one thing is just the team growth. Um, it's yeah. been really exciting to see more and more people um, come on board and get excited about our mission. So... One thing I'm curious about, how would you characterize the leadership style uh, at Cambrian? I think being exposed to um, you know, different startups a lot and at the, the startup here that I work at, um, 
people think about their leadership styles and the and the team and the culture differently. And there's no one right answer. There's many different leadership styles. I'm curious, um, you know, what kind of leadership approach your organization takes? Or maybe if you want to talk about the culture instead, I'd be curious to know a little bit more about either of those. So I think one of the exciting things about working for a startup or an early stage company is that you are part of building the culture. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, yeah. everybody, we're only a 30 person team. When I first came on, we were even less than that. So everybody is an active part of building that culture, um, which for us is, you know, it's super fun. Um, I actually sort of work on some of the internal like team building stuff. Um, and so I'm pretty closely involved with that. and. You know, it's it it is exciting to sort of see we all get our head down, and especially when we're you know delivering six projects, um, and people can sort of feel like they are bogged down in work. But I think we also just have a great team vibe, and so people definitely you know they do their work and they get everything done, um, but then they also can take a step back from that and enjoy time as a team, which is really nice. I don't know if you have anything to add. Um, no, I like that a lot. The, the, the only thing I, that comes to mind for me is from a, from like a company, um, leadership attitude. I think one thing that's, that's focused on at the company and Claire touched on this earlier, um, is that it's really a mission driven place. And, um, Matt, our, our co-founder, Matthew Silver, um, has a, a very strong vision for what our company can contribute. And uh, he really, I think, inspires the, the company to, to follow that vision and deliver on, on that mission of you know, catalyzing harmony between nature and industry, removing this, this tension. Um, and he does a really good job of that. And I think that that helps uh, it, we it start helps. like People. every company presentation with, "All right, everybody, what is Cambrian exist for?" And it's just right. so it's. I mean, it's and it's you need that. Yeah, I, I and and people say it time and time again, like that. Uh, if you're if you're excited to go to work, then that's all the difference. And I think that that's that's played a big role in in Cambrian. I mean, I'm sorry, I just feel very strongly about this just because I think it's exactly the same at my company at WeGoWise, mm -hmm. right? We're very mission driven and what's key to driving that mission is our founder and CTO, CTO Barun. Like, he lives and breathes this mission. He picks garbage up off of the mm -hmm. street. It's not just like mm -hmm. a front. Like, he mm -hmm. really, truly, genuinely cares and just kind of being at this company and being around him makes you want to be better and you know you know coalesce around this mission. And we've talked about mission in in other episodes. One thing I've been at WeGoWise long enough to realize the importance of um, mission. It's how you connect with your colleagues and it's how you stay resilient to the ups and downs of right. you know um, being in any startup. Yeah, I think that's right on. How did you two personally decide that Cambrian Innovation was the right fit for you? Um, so I actually just kind of got lucky. Um, just through networking, um, I found Cambrian. I talked to, Matt was the first person I talked to at Cambrian. Um, and then, it's funny actually, I remember reading up on uh, Cambrian before 
chatting with Matt and I went to their careers page and I was like, well, I am not a fit for any of these. Like, They're all like research engineer and lab technician. And I was like, I am an English major. Like, this is not going to work. Um, but I figured, you know, have a conversation and maybe he knows other people in Boston and whatever. And um, after chatting with him for a little while and sort of saying, you know, this is the type of role that I think I might be looking for and whatever, um, he was like, you know, let me connect you with my uh, head of sales and marketing. Like, there might be a fit for you. Um, and it just, the timing worked out really well. And, um, and you know, I'm lucky to be here today. It's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. How did you find the Boston clean tech scene to begin with? I'm glad you brought this up because that is a, it is, and it's great that you guys are, are doing this show. I think it's reflective of where we live right now. And, um, especially in water tech, uh, Boston is an exciting hub mm -hmm. and I think we just lucked out yeah, going to school sure. here and, and getting plugged into the scene because there's, there's some exciting stuff happening. I think that might be the highest compliment we've ever received in this podcast. <laughs> that is very nice, yes. <laughs> we do try to be complimentary. <laughs> no, but totally, that's why we started this podcast, right, is we just love the clean tech ecosystem and all the people here and... Um, we just thought it'd be fun to have more people tell their stories about it. Is there a particular resource in the Northeast ecosystem you found particularly beneficial or something that's, you know, unique about Boston that you found particularly helpful? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, do you know the name of that program uh, that we get interns through? Um, oh, the Mass yeah, is the Mass internship program. Yeah, right? the Mass CEC, I mean, the Mass CEC period is an awesome organization and they do uh, have done a ton to um contribute to this to this kind of blossoming of, of tech startups and tech companies but the internship program there funded my internship um at cambrian and uh mike murphy at the mass cc i mean he's i love mike murphy yeah, he, he's, he's awesome the, best. Doing, they, the whole group is doing awesome work at that yeah, I'm in sales, and you know I think a lot about sales cycle. What you guys are doing to shrink the length of the sales cycle, right? Like yeah. the strategy of sale. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually glad you asked because um, this is a great opportunity for us to talk about something we haven't really talked about as much and, and really should be um, kind of a focus for us at this point. What we call it is the Water Energy Purchase Agreement. It's the WEPA. Yep. Um, it's similar to the power purchase agreement in solar PPA, mm -hmm. um, where we are funding and designing and installing and operating a, a very complex system. Uh, so we, what we do is offer that as a service. And that, has, that was largely customer driven um, because we work with uh, breweries and wineries. And, and as we continue to expand that, the case will be the same. Industrial producers want to um, invest in production equipment. So we kind of took that feedback and brought something to the market that I think makes it a lot easier um, to deploy our systems. And, you know, it's a complete risk transfer. Uh, it's the idea of peace of mind. It's the opportunity for a brewer to say, I started this brewery to brew beer. I ran into a wastewater problem. And now I don't have to think about that anymore. Right. I'm back to brewing beer. Yeah. You um, definitely see cases with brewers that are like, man, I never knew that, I, like, as a brewer, I was going to need to know so much about wastewater. <laughs> and so this sort of, you know, gets them back to brewing beer, following their passion, and we, we can do what we do best, which is, you know, treat their wastewater. Cool. A lot of it is education um, with, our, with our partners. 
um, around what the what the true cost of water is. Uh, mm. And that's been a really positive conversation for us to have and, and for, our, for our customers to have to really try and get to the bottom of, you know, what is the value that water, wastewater, and energy are playing in our operation? And then what can Cambrian offer? You know, um, making the case for the value you can offer, especially as an educational piece when you're doing something radically new, is a big part of what the sale is, right? Is for products that have been out there forever, people can say, oh, I understand the value. But if you're doing something different and they don't understand the true cost of wastewater to them, uh, at least our experience at WeGoWise is for a lot of our customers, at least it's a little different now that it's starting to catch on the utility data analytics we do. But so much of our sales early on, were like explaining to people why this was valuable and how this could add value to their organization because it was new and non-intuitive. Um, and it sounds like you guys uh, think about that a lot as well. Do you have any advice for future entrepreneurs looking to enter the space, stay in Boston, come to Boston, um, water-related, any of that? Yeah, I would say I would say stay or come to Boston. I mean, there there are a ton of resources. I know you guys did a, a show with um, Greentown Labs. Mm -hmm. um, got, you know, the Mass CEC has done a ton to support. We were just talking about earlier. Cambrian used to be down uh, located down in the uh, what's it called? Innovation the waterfront. Design yeah, the Center. Right, the Innovation Design Center. I mean, it's a, I think it's a exciting place to be in Boston, and there's a lot of um, experience, brain power to draw on. And I, I think what maybe is unique about Boston is the willingness of those experienced folks to give back. Um, you know, I've been to several like happy hour events where there's just like the founder of Enernock is just walking around and giving <laughs> advice, you know, you don't get that opportunity. He just won, Tim Healy, fun fact, also just won the Decade of Influence Award. That sounds like an impressive award. Green Tie Gala. Oh, it's oh the Green Tie Gala. Gala. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That yeah. was expensive. That does not surprise me. I mean, uh, no. I'm the very impressive guy, but uh, yeah, I think there are a ton of resources here. I think it, it, it'd be an exciting place to learn a lot. Um, the other piece of advice I, I would give to folks who are at least thinking about entrepreneurship is um, just getting your feet wet. And, you know, if you're at the start of your trajectory, go on to Mass CEC and apply, uh, you know, just apply for an internship. and just, I give the same advice. Yeah, I just, totally just remember that's how I found WeGoWise. There you go. Right. Exactly. Like, I mean, just like, remember I just totally forgot that. They're, I feel like they must be like the middleman for yeah, like 70% exactly. of the talent uh, in Boston clean tech. Just, just get an internship and learn something because all of these companies are growing quickly and learning quickly and it's a, a pretty exciting opportunity. Yeah. Great. Cool. Do you have any... Different advice? Just no. Agree? <laughs> I agree. Cool. I'm not going to pretend to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to hold. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, mean, I wouldn't discount yourself there. Yeah, 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 no, actually, but I am curious, right? So, you know, as you mentioned early on, we spend probably more of our time talking to founders, right? Mm -hmm. But not everybody's a founder at a startup. You're a, st you're a startup of 30 people, you said, right? Only two or three of those people are founders, but you're all very integral parts sure. of that, you know, that company's success. So I'd still be curious yeah. to press you on that a little bit, even if you're not a founder, even if you're not some brilliant MIT scientist who, well, you know, maybe you are very brilliant. But, you know, maybe you don't have this, like, world-changing idea, but you still want to get involved in clean tech. Was there any, I mean, the Mass CEC is a, is a great um, uh, uh, example of a resource, but do you have anything that you found helpful? Uh, 
trying to think. I don't know. I would say to to your uh, comment about the 30 people thing, though, um, one of the things that I have enjoyed most about this experience and that I think is so valuable is when you work for a small company, even if you, so like I'm not from, you know, I didn't come into clean tech being like, I definitely want to do clean tech and I didn't have a background in it or anything like that. But I learned so much coming on in, you know, even in my first month at Cambrian. Um, and you just, the cool thing about it is you get to kind of do everything. Um, you know, I've helped with sales, I've done marketing, I've done PR, I'm helping with investor relations, like it's all over the map, um, which is great for, a, especially if you're young and trying to um, look at a startup in general or more specifically clean tech, because you can just get your hands wet and do absolutely everything, um, which I think is really valuable. Cool. I dig it. Cool. In the show notes, you will find more uh, more information on Cambrian Innovation, more information on Claire and Will, um, a link to that. I think I read about uh, that side-by-side taste test yes. that you were talking about. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very well written um, in Food & Wine magazine or blog or whatever. Um, and if you would like to support the show... Um, please tell a friend, tweet at us, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, download the show, uh, give us a rating, do all those fun things that we tell you. Preferably a five-star rating. Yes. Yes, please. All right. I think I'm ready. Uh, the hurt is like, it's been long enough since the hurt <laughs> that I could come up with another like five-star challenge. Have okay. you thought of anything, Chloe? Oh, I, heard I hate the, the five-star challenges. Yeah, yoga pose challenge. But see, here's the thing. All first season, we came up with all these amazing creative <laughs> challenges. Give us five stars and we'll do this dumb thing. Yeah. Because we have very little sense of self-preservation. <laughs> well, I, I have very little. Chloe keeps thinking these are bad ideas. Um, but I, I'll do them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so you, commitment. Any good, any, <laughs> any good challenges? Like, what would, like, may, maybe you guys have a good idea of, like, something ridiculous we could do that if someone gave us a five star, we'd be like, oh, we'll, you know, record this and put it on Instagram. Yeah, you guys no should. No longer Instagram. Oh, sorry, we don't have Instagram. Yeah, what do you got, William? You guys should um, you should fill up like three glasses of water each mm-hmm. and then have a straw chugging race off. Deal. <laughs> Love it. That's amazing. You're That's gonna win you that go. one. All right. I honestly hate drinking water. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. It's an you issue. can change. I mean, <laughs> yeah, God. whatever. I appreciate. I mean, I also it's all right. We make water. beer with it sometimes. Yeah. So See, like, I drink beer. All right, then you can have three cups of beer and he'll have. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll be tanked. Asleep. <laughs> you hate water. That doesn't make any sense. I know. Right. And I did sailing and I studied marine science. You know, it's a really great. You're a very contrary person, <laughs> I hate swimming, Chloe. Too. What? Um, <laughs> so, uh, if you have any suggestions, please get in touch. Visit talkleanpodcast.com. Uh, like I said, tweet at us or email contact at talkleanpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Later. Go team. Woo. Thank okay. you, guys. When I started working for Cambrian, my mom definitely was like, it's perfect because you're a Pisces. And I was like, thanks, mom. (laughs) It's perfect because I care about saving the world, mom. So much more than a Pisces.